So if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Hebrews chapter number 12. If you don't have a Bible this morning, you may notice that right in the pew in front of you, there are some Bibles. You're welcome to borrow that for the next few moments. So Hebrews chapter number 12, I'm going to read to you verses 1 and 2, and that kind of sets the stage for this series that we've been doing for a little while. If, uh, if you're a visitor to this church, well, this is... Uh, uh, it, it's not like each, each sermon builds upon the other. Each one of them is kind of a, a single capsule, uh, capsulization of a different person's life. So Hebrews chapter number 12, let's read it. It says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, the sin that does so easily beset us, and run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So guys, here's the idea. We are surrounded, according to Hebrews chapter number 12, by a great crowd of witnesses. Cloud of witnesses is the word they use, but we're kind of looking at it like a crowd, okay? I don't know about you, but, but I go to a lot of sporting events, okay? In fact, one of the highlights of, of, of the recent decade or so is that I'm a season ticket holder to LSU football, okay? So I love going there, okay? I love going to LSU football games, okay? So I'm part of 102, 103,000 people, okay? Now I realize that you can probably get a better view on TV, okay? And, and you can be more comfortable in your chair, okay, as my wife always chooses to go, okay? Um, she, she used to always come with me to the games, but then she's like, it's hot at the games, it could rain at the game. you got to stand in line to go to the bathroom at the game, okay? She, she doesn't have to do any of that stuff at home, so she decides to stay home. The good news is I have sons that love to go, okay? And every now and then when they're busy, I just call somebody in the church. So, so you just let me know if you're a big Tiger fan. Just, hey, you, sister, really, Sister Eloise? Hey, at least you got your priorities right when it comes to college, okay? For those of you that don't know, she, 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 we've had a little... We've had a little back and forth over Atlanta, okay? And, you know, remember that team that blew the Super Bowl? Great, great game, wasn't it? Okay? Sorry about that. So, um... So I love going to a crowd, okay? And here's the thing. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I played college football. And uh, we went to play at places like Auburn. We played at Colorado. Played at some big schools. And here's the amazing thing that when you're down there on the field, you don't hear individual voices. It's just kind of a roar, okay? It's just kind of a, a loudness. But, but could you imagine if you could hear individual voices? And that's kind of what we're thinking about right here. We have a great cloud of witnesses, a great crowd, if you will, of men and women of God who've gone on before. For us. So what would happen, Fabian, if they could come out the stands and run a lap with us? If they could come out the stands, Sister Eloise, and encourage you with something that they did in their life that could help you. So for those that, you, that haven't heard, been a part of this sermon series, that's kind of what we're doing, okay? Now, about three weeks ago, we, we talked about King David. David was an amazing man of God and uh, greatest king of Israel, did some wonderful things. But here's the thing, guys. Uh, every great man and woman of God didn't get there by themselves, okay? You know, you've heard it said behind every great man is what? A great woman, okay? And that's certainly true with me and Chantel. But Brother Rick, behind every great man of God, he stands on somebody's shoulders. There are people around him that have encouraged him. There are people around him that has helped him get to the place that he is. Nobody becomes successful by themselves, whether that be in the world of sports, whether it be uh, in the world of business, whether it be in the spiritual world, there are people that are coming alongside you, coach you up a little bit, encourage you a little bit, and help you along. 
Well, today we're going to talk about one of those such people. Okay? Today we're going to talk about one of those people. So pick up reading where we were last week or a few weeks ago. David just left the place. David, the great king of Israel, just finished encouraging us with some words of wisdom. And it says, as David leaves and moves back toward the stands, in the place where all the other giants of faith have passed one another, David stops for a moment and grabs the next person in a hearty embrace. That person is Jonathan. Then David disappears into the stands and Jonathan comes out to greet us. We've just spent time with the greatest of Israel's kings. Now we'll be running with the kingmaker. You see, David and Jonathan were best friends. And David became the greatest king of Israel because of people in his like, like Jonathan. So Jonathan would say to us, friends, you live in an age when winning at all costs and looking out for number one are exalted as virtues. The words of the Proverbs writer could have been penned today. Most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? People seem to have forgotten that it, what it means to serve one another or exhibit true loyalty. In such a time as this, what I tell you becomes doubly important. Strengthen a leader and save a nation. Strengthen a leader and save a nation. Jonathan, like nobody else, has credibility in this area to deliver such a message. While other people in David's life were trying to keep him down by putting limitations on him, Jonathan did the opposite. He lifted David up. He strengthened him so that he could meet his trials and beat his oppressors. Guys, every great church, every strong and healthy church has a whole bunch of Jonathans around. They have people that understand how to lift other people up. Those people that just made fresh commitments to the Lord down here, you need some Jonathans to come alongside you. Trent, you need a Jonathan. And let me introduce you to Jonathan. He goes by Fabian, okay? But you can nickname him John because he's going to come alongside you and he's going to understand what you're going through because he's been there. But now God's brought him through those things and now he's going to help bring you through. That's what Jonathans do. Jonathans come alongside you and they help you do what you couldn't do by yourself. They help you to go to another level. They help you to become all that you can be. And God is looking for some modern day Jonathans. Now guys... What we're talking about is the spirit of Jonathan. So it can be a man, it can be a woman. That's the prettiest Jonathan I ever met right there, okay? Because she comes along so many people and she lifts them up. She comes alongside so many people and she helps them to reach places they couldn't reach by themselves. That's what Jonathan is all about. And that's what we need to be all about if we're going to be strong and healthy. And I believe we can and I believe we will. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray right now that you would help us to be like Jonathan. God, that you would help us to get a mindset like Jonathan, that we would help to to see people like Jonathan saw people, that you would help us, Lord God, to be everything you want us to be. Lord, we need you in a greater measure. We need you, Lord. And we ask right now that you would help us to to, to find modern-day Jonathans, to find men and women, Lord God, who would come alongside and help somebody else reach their full potential. Lord, I thank you for the Jonathans in my life, the people that have helped me get to the place I am today. I ask right now, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, to, to take the spirit of Jonathan and run with it so that we'll be the great, strong, and healthy church that you want us to be. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. You know, we all have Jonathans in our life. When I think of some Jonathans in my life, I think of people like my spiritual father, Otis Moore. He was my first pastor. He's the pastor that led me in a little sinner's prayer, who, who uh, led me into the baptism in the Holy Spirit, who baptized me in water. That was kind of an uh, entertaining time because I was a 290-pound football player, and my pastor was about 150 pounds, and a lot of men in the church just came on that Sunday night to see who was going to get dunked. Okay, there were kind of some side bets going. I don't believe preacher keyed that big boy up. Okay, and Brother Moore actually told me that. He said, Now, Mo, I might need your help a little bit. Okay, Larry Cash is betting that I ain't getting you up. Okay, now you help me out a little bit. Okay, and, and I just kind of did a little sit up and helped him out, and it went well. Okay, there was that moment of hesitation when, when he realized that, man, that's a heavy boy. Okay. But you know what? People like that gave me opportunities. He gave me my first opportunity at ministry, okay? They, uh, he was our first pastor. He was our first employer in the ministry and uh, has remained a part of our life for many years. I think of people like Walt Rose, a great mentor of mine, pastored for many years down the road in Thibodeau, spoke into my life, used to call me every week when I was pastoring. Every week, okay? And Brother Rick, he'd ask me how I was doing, and I'd say, I'm doing okay. And then he'd say, no, how you really doing? You know, because preachers lie. Did you think a preacher would say that from the pulpit? They do, okay? You ask us how we doing, we say we fine. But you lie too, okay? We ask you, how you doing? I'm doing good. You know what? It's okay when you're really doing good, but when you're not doing good, guess what? You need to tell folks that too. Now, I'm not saying you, you, you blur, you, you just let everything out like some of you do on Facebook. I'm not saying do that. Some of you guys need to think before you post, okay? But, but nah, I'm, ah, okay, get back to my notes. But guys, we all have Jonathans in our lives. We all have people that need to come alongside us and help us, okay? And you know what, guys? Here's the deal. This church needs more Jonathans. We need those that are already Jonathans to begin looking for Davids, to begin looking for people to come alongside and encourage. Because you know what, guys? When we begin to do that, great things will happen. So let me give you just a quick reminder of who Jonathan is, because he's not somebody that, like if I said Paul or if I said Peter, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Jonathan's one of those guys you may not know a lot about. So let me fill you in on who he was. You see, David and Jonathan were quickly friends. The two men became fast friends soon after David killed Goliath. In fact, in 1 Samuel chapter number 18, it says this, Now when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. Guys, from that point on, Jonathan was willing to do anything to help David. And that was good because David would need a lot of help. Think about some of the things David went through. David was taken out of his comfort zone. The moment he killed Goliath, everything changed in his life. He went from an unknown boy to a hero, from a shepherd to a leader. King Saul was jealous of David and constantly tried to destroy him. The king was furious when the people sang, Saul has killed his thousands, David his tens of thousands. David's life was an emotional roller coaster. One moment David was leading the army of Israel. The next moment he was hiding from the same army because Saul was trying to kill him. 
And then David faced many severe challenges. David was often in over his head. His assignments from the king were difficult. The expectations of the people were high. Without help, he would not survive. So at every turn, Jonathan helped David. And that's what made all the difference for David, the nation and the people. You see, guys, a strong and healthy church is full of, uh, is full of Jonathan's. It's full of Jonathans. Why don't we have as many Davids today? I think it's maybe because we don't have enough Jonathans. Because Davids aren't made by, their, by themselves, okay? A David is someone who has a heart after God, and we have a lot of those people. But why don't we have more great Davids? It's maybe because we don't have enough Jonathans who realize that we is more important than me. Guys, let me just meddle for a moment, Okay? If we're going to be a strong and a healthy church, we've got to think we more than we think me. The big difference between a strong and healthy church or a weak and sickly church is how they think. Do we think we or do we think me? I've got to be honest with you. I haven't always thought we in my ministry. There were times when I was a youth pastor that it was all about my youth, Brother Jesse. It was all about what I wanted to do, and I was wrong. And God has convicted me of that and he's changed me. Because I realize, guys, it's not about me any longer. It's about we. And guys, we as a church need to begin to realize that. There are going to be some decisions that I make as your pastor that you may not fully understand. But let me tell you what it's based upon. It's based upon what's best for we and not just me. Okay? So guys, there are going to be some times that, that, that you're going to have to realize that what we're doing is for the best of the church and not just one individual. Because do you realize that the church is the only organization that exists primarily for the benefit, not of its members, but for non-members? Guys, let that sink in. Now, those of you that were with us six months ago, about 25 of y'all, you've already bought into that. You realize that church is not about you. It's about all these people God has sent us. So now I'm going to challenge all of you that are here today to realize that God is just beginning what he wants to do here. Amen? God wants to do some great things in this community, do some great things in this church, and the only way it's going to happen is when we start thinking we and not just me. Now, guys, that's not easy to do because we're all naturally selfish, aren't we? You know, my wife says that that I can be a little selfish sometimes. I I don't know where that comes from. Maybe it's because I'm an only child. Do we have any other only children in this place? Now, now, now Miss Wanda, I I knew there was a connection between me and you, okay? Uh, Why do they say we're selfish? You're not selfish. I'm not selfish. What are they thinking? How many know some only children? Do they tend to be a little selfish sometimes? Okay. Now, my wife, she's the oldest. Okay. She's the oldest. So, Candy, you know what that means. Okay. Well, you should have seen them eye roll right there. Okay. And, and then Holly right here is the baby, and we all know what that means. Okay. But, but what it is about these only children, they say we're selfish. Well, guys, the truth of the matter is we can be sometimes, Ms. Wanda. I know you're not, but I can be. But the truth of the matter is we all can be. We naturally want to look out for ourselves, Miss Sharita. We naturally want to do what benefits us. And guys, I'm going to ask you to take one of the greatest challenges I'm ever going to give you an opportunity to take at this church. Stop thinking about you and start thinking about others. Because that's the heart of Jesus Christ. 
When Jesus was on that cross at Calvary, was he thinking about himself or was he thinking about others? He was thinking about others. In fact, he was thinking about you. He was thinking about you, Trent. He was thinking about every one of us in here because it wasn't about him, it was about us. That's proved in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, Lord, is there any other way? Is there any other way we can do this thing? And then he says, no, not my will, but yours, God, be done. And because God's will was done through his son, it's being done through you and I today. But it's going to take us thinking we and not just me. Amen? And that's what David was really all about. I mean, that's what Jonathan was really all about. What empowered Jonathan to put David ahead of himself and serve him? After all, Jonathan was supposed to be the next king of Israel. He was the son of the king. He was in in, in line to be the next king. But from the moment he met David, Jonathan understood David's potential. Jonathan saw the big picture. You know, guys, if we're going to think we instead of me, it requires you seeing the big picture. The big picture is what God wants to do in this church and what God wants to do through you. Amen? The big picture is not just about you and your family. It's about all the other families that God wants to use you to reach and to love and to encourage. So I'm asking every one of you here today, we need to be more like Jonathan. We need to look for those Davids and we need to encourage them. We need to build them up. And we need to be a part of a strong and healthy network that is going to build this church to do great things. So let's think about big picture. Number one, Jonathan's big picture thinking allowed him to see himself from the right perspective. When you have big picture thinking, when you're thinking more we than me, you begin to see yourself in the right perspective. The first great advantage of seeing the big picture is being able to judge yourself realistically. If you overestimate your value, you may do things that just feed your ego. If you underestimate your value, you may become discouraged and neglect doing the things you can do. But the big picture gives you a right picture of yourself. When Jonathan saw David after he killed Goliath, the prince realized that David had greater potential to be king than he did, than even his father did. And Jonathan realized he was no longer the best person to ascend to the throne. Friends, I hope that you see yourself as God sees you. Strategically placed by God here at LCC Berwick for such a time as this to be used by God to do great things. God has given every one of us talents and abilities. Some of us can sing. Some of us can can do other things. Some of us can help out in the nursery. Some of us can help out with kids' church. We can help out with rangers, missionettes. Youth pastor could always use some help, okay? We, we, we can be used in all these different areas, and God has strategically placed each and every one of us for such a time as this. That's how you should see yourself. You're not here by mistake. The Senecas are not here by mistake, okay? God orchestrated us being here, amen? God orchestrated you being here. Some of you are like, well, I... I just maybe wasn't being used at my last church. And so I started looking. No, no, no. God stirred something up in your heart and he brought you here for such a time as this because we prayed you in and we need your help. Okay? And guys, we need every hand on deck. We need all of your help. Whether you've been serving God for years or for minutes, it doesn't matter. We need you. There's something you can do. Amen? There's something you can do. 
Everybody in this place is important. All of you are needed. We need to find our specific place and then get on board. We need to find, God, what have you gifted me to do? And then how can I use it to build your church? How can I use it to, 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 to lift up some other Davids? Number two, Jonathan's big picture thinking allowed him to see others from the right perspective. See, when you get the right mindset, you not only see yourself in a proper light, but you begin to see others in the right perspective. You see, when Jonathan saw himself realistically, he was free to treat others as they deserve. He was free to treat others as they deserved. That meant preserving David's life and serving him. Jonathan knew that helping David would benefit the kingdom more than promoting himself as Israel's future ruler. And while King Saul, his father, continually tried to manipulate situations to eliminate David as a threat, Jonathan worked hard to keep him as a friend. He strategically invested his time and energy for David's success. Guys, we need to start making strategic investments in other people's lives as well. We need to see others here as partners for our common goal. Seeing this community and surrounding areas touched by God. That's our goal, guys. Our goal. What is the goal of a strong and a healthy church? It's so that a church like us can reach our community, can influence our community. Guys, that's what we're called to do. We're called to do more than just get together a couple hours on a Sunday. That's not enough, okay? Some churches, that's all they do. That's not going to be this church, I promise you, okay? Guys, we're challenging you to get a big picture mindset of what God wants to do through you, through this church. Amen? Jonathan got that big picture. And he began to see others as as people worth investing in. He saw David as a king worth investing in. We need to begin to see others in that right light. We need to see them by what God can make them. Don't see, you know, here's the amazing thing about God. Do you realize that he loves you no matter what? His love for you is unconditional. Blaine, he loves you just as much today serving him faithfully as he did at times when you didn't even know him. He loves you the same, but here's the amazing thing about God. He loves you too much, Paul, to leave you that way. He loves us too much to leave us in that condition, Irvin. He loves us too much. He sees past all our problems. He sees past all our hangups, and he sees what we can become. And guys, we need to to learn from that. You know, guys, sometimes we're so quick to judge. Sometimes we're so quick to condemn. Sometimes the church is so quick to give up on somebody. Aren't you glad Jesus never gave up on you? Amen? Aren't you glad God never gave up on you? And I'm committing as your pastor to never give up on you. Are there going to be times I'm going to be disappointed for you? Yes. I've told my kids this before when they mess up. And believe it or not, my kids mess up. Okay? In case you're wondering, are the preacher's kids perfect? No, they are not. Okay? But your kids aren't perfect either. Oh, grandparents, hold your seat. Your grandkids aren't even perfect. I know some of you, when you saw that grandchild, Sister Jan, you thought this is the first child not born into original sin. Ah, They are, okay? But they're close, huh? They're pretty close, pretty close to perfect. Hey, guys, my kids are not perfect, okay? So don't expect perfection from them. So guess what? There are times that, that we tell them, we're not disappointed in you, we're disappointed for you. Because you've made a mistake. You, you've made a bad decision. Now let's learn from it. Amen? And that's how I'm going to try to pastor you. I'm going to try to pastor you like I parent my kids. I'm going to love you no matter what. 
There are going to be times I'm going to tell you something you don't like to hear. But if you'll realize that I love you, that I want what's best for you, that God's using me to shape you and to mold you, guess what? At the end of the day, we'll be strong and healthy. Our relationship will be strong and healthy. You see, a strong and healthy church is full of people with strong and healthy relationships with one another. Amen? So, guys, we need to get a big picture of mindset. We need to begin to see people like Jonathan sees people. Guys, we need to get to a place that there's no more competition, no more backbiting, no more gossip. Now, look, I know that that, that's what this church used to be about, but it ain't going to be about that no more. Okay? If you want to make it about that, we're going to have problems. Okay? Brother Rick, we're going to have problems. Okay? You think you had problems with Brother Rick, wait till you have problems with me. Okay? Because here's the deal, guys. There's no place for that nonsense. There is no place for that kind of nonsense. Amen? Pastor, I don't know if I like your tone. You try causing trouble at this church. You'll really not like my tone. Okay? I love you, and I want what's best for you. But I want what's best for this church even more. And I realize I may have to answer to you, but I ain't worried about that. I'm worried about answering to God, though. And one day I'm going to have to stand before God and answer for how I pastored this church he's given me responsibility over. And I take that really, really seriously. Amen? So guys, look, there's no place for competition, no place for backbiting, no place for gossip. If you ain't got nothing good to say, keep your mouth shut. Learn a lesson from the fish. He would have never got caught if he just kept his mouth shut. <laughs> By the way, it reminds me of y'all little ladies fishing trip, Wendy. A lot of them fish kept their mouth shut, huh? <laughs> That's a, by the way, they had a wonderful time, and I'm really glad I didn't have to come home and clean no fish. I really am, okay? Hey, let's allow for mutual support and encouragement to flow around this place. Amen? If we can begin to do that, God will do great and mighty things. But it takes a big picture mindset. You can't do this in your own mindset. You got to get a mindset from God. You got to get a big picture thinking. So number three, Jonathan's big picture thinking allowed him to do what was right from God's perspective. Often our personal ambition clouds God's direction for our lives. But Jonathan's grasp of the big picture helped him to understand what God desired. Even though it didn't benefit him personally, Jonathan obeyed God and didn't whine about his rights. Jonathan gave up his own future on the throne to serve the rightful person who would take it. The result? The reign of David was the greatest in all of Israel's history. Because he was so deeply committed to David's future, Jonathan ended up saving the entire nation of Israel from destruction. You see, guys, the approval of God is really the only thing that counts. The approval of God is really the only thing that counts. It reminds me of a story that I'd like to read to you. There was once a great pianist who was given a concert in a large concert hall. When he finished the concert, everyone in the place stood up and gave him a standing ovation. Well, almost everyone. There was this one old man in the front row who didn't stand, but everyone else was on his feet cheering wildly. When the pianist walked off the stage, he was crying. His manager asked him what was wrong and he said, didn't you see the man in the front row who wasn't standing and wasn't applauding? The manager said, sure I saw him, but he's the only person who wasn't standing and cheering. Why worry about one old man? And the pianist said, you don't understand. 
That man was the composer of the music that I played tonight. He's the only one who counts. He's the only one who knows what the piece is supposed to sound like. He's the only one that matters. Friends, many of us hunger for the cheers of the crowd when they actually need to be listening for the only one that matters, the applause of God. If God says, well done, it doesn't matter one whit what anybody else says. Guys, I appreciate when you say, Pastor, good job. I appreciate it when my wife says, boy, that's a heck of a sermon. But I'm only looking for the applause of God. One day, I only want to hear two words from my Savior, Rick. Well done. Amen? Not well, you're done. (laughs) Well, (laughs) we're done. No. I want to hear well done. Good and faithful servant. You did what I called you to do. Guys, we got to get that kind of mindset. It's not about making people happy. It's about making God happy. Amen? It's not about the songs we sing. It's not about the sermons we preach. It's about what just happened at these altars a few moments ago. That makes God happy. That puts a smile on his face because, J.D., that's why his son died. That's why Jesus had to die. That's why it's what it's all about, guys. The applause of God is really all that matters. We need to live our lives with eternity in mind. And only goal is to hear, well done. Wow. Well, before you know it, our lap is nearly up. As we approach the final turn in the track, Jonathan tells us a few final words of encouragement. Such as, only when you see what is important will you be willing to do the seemingly unimportant. You see, David, uh, Jonathan would say, I did not serve David because I lacked potential. I served him because he had greater potential. As I look back on my life, my greatest joy was helping David succeed to the throne. Remember, it takes a lot of kingmakers to make a king. And that needs to be the mindset of every person in this church. That needs to be the mindset of every nursery worker, every person who cleans the church, every person who keeps the grounds up. Guys, that's seemingly unimportant, right? But when you have the big picture that everything we do is important, everything this church does represents God. Guys, when the grounds look good, that means people drive down this road and say that church cares. Guys, if we can't take care of property, how in the world could we take care of people? If God can't trust us to take good care of what he's entrusted with us building-wise, how could he trust us with souls? Now, guys, am I saying cutting the grass is, is like, no, no, no. Come on, pay attention, okay? But what I'm saying is everything matters. Everything matters. Guys, whether you're in the nursery whether you're watching kids, whether you're in kids' church like Sister Sarah's been so faithful to do for many years, you have a part in what happens at these altars. You have a part. That's big picture thinking, and we need more of that. Secondly, Jonathan would say, every time you encounter people with potential, you must make a choice. You can either hurt them or you can help them. Jonathan would say, my father chose to hurt David. David. 
What would have happened if my dad had helped David? The king's time would have been spent on uh, on productive things instead of destructive things. The kingdom would have been united instead of divided. My relationship with my father, Jonathan says, would have been greatly improved and God's blessings would have continued on my father's leadership. A legacy of leadership would have been passed down to David. Sadly, in the end, my father did not hurt David. He hurt himself. Guys, you need to look around and look for Davids. You need to look for people to pour into. You need to look for people to encourage. That's the spirit of Jonathan. And finally, Jonathan would say as a supporter, you share in your leader's success. When you help a leader, you share in whatever he or she succeeds as or or achieves. As I helped my friend David, I knew I was serving God. And whatever benefits the nation of Israel received came about in part through my efforts. The same is true for you. You don't have to be on the front lines to share in the rewards or to make a great impact. Strengthen your leader and you can help save your nation. Or you can help save your church. Or you can help save your family. Now, guys, I realize in some ways you're thinking, well, of course you, you want to preach that preacher because it's, it, it's going to help you. No, it doesn't just apply to me. It applies to Sister Garland as our music leader. It applies to Sister Sarah as our kids leader. It applies to Brother Jesse as our youth pastor. You find a leader and you come alongside and support them. And the blessings that follow that kind of obedience will blow you away. Guys, if we can get this Jonathan mindset, if we can start to see the big picture, if we can start to see how God has strategically placed every one of you here today in a place to do something great for God, wow, this big old building is not going to be big enough. Why? Because God wants to do exceedingly, abundantly more. And he wants to use you and I to do it. Amen? Jonathan's closing prayer for us all is a pretty simple one. He would say, Lord, please empower my friends to see the big picture so they may know their place and be glad to be a part of something great. Cultivate the right attitude toward the potential and the success of others and possess a servant's heart that receives great joy in adding value to other leaders.